for conscious leaders to evolve and assist companies in moving forward through very complex and exponential change environment, advanced decision-making skills are required. This is the Insight to Action podcast, and my name is Donna Jones. Intuition is one of the most underrated, overlooked executive allies, and also one of the highest, the, the strongest ally in successful business. In complexity, it offers the best compass for decision-making. We call it part of the, the cadre of spiritual intelligence, which Peter Senge nicely described in 1999 as take your whole self to work, bringing online more of your more of your capacity, more of your range of intelligences. With me today is Dr. Leslie Phillips. Dr. Leslie Phillips was an environmental microbiologist who searched biodiverse regions of the planet for natural product medicines. And then later she moved into being a business developer, traveling around the world, making deals between life science companies. Today she mentors conscious leaders or leaders who seek to be more aware and attain access to, to more of what they bring to the table. Their values are aligned and they're really there to help transform themselves and their business, which makes enormous sense because without that transformation, business will simply not make it. So we're really here talking about accessing spiritual and quantum gifts as part of personal growth and transformation. First of all, an explanation of what is intuition. Absolutely. Absolutely, Donna. So in a, in a, in very simple terms your intuition is refers to your higher senses so it's not your intellect it's not your logic it's not your emotions but it's your ability to be aware of energy beyond the capability of your physical senses and to be able to experience your reality more deeply and more authentically than you can do through your physical senses so that would be a short explanation of intuition. It's your higher senses. It's your non-physical senses. So this means that you're stepping into inner knowing, intuition, inner knowing. Uh, we're also talking about working with a sensory capacity, a much deeper sensory capacity, because that, that is, in fact, the one of the biggest and most important skill sets for executives these days and leaders coming up is to have that sensory capacity. Does that is that correct and 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 if so what what goes with that yeah so absolutely and and there are many ways of being intuitive i think there's a lot of misinformation and um incorrect concepts about intuition that are out there and we tend to use a lot of words interchangeably without completely understanding what they are there are many different ways of receiving intuitive information and for example, so the most common ones we could say in layman's terms were intuitively knowing, intuitively seeing, intuitively hearing and intuitively feeling. And in metaphysical circles, they're called claircognizance, clairvoyance, clairaudience and, uh, and clairsentience. So an example of knowingness, which is the one that's called claircognizance, would be when uh, 911 happened, there were all sorts of stories in the press about people who'd had this knowing that I shouldn't go into work today. They didn't know how they knew. They didn't know why they knew it. They just knew without a shadow of a doubt that they should stay home, for example. Uh, that's an example of, of knowingness, where you just get this instant knowing there's no logical explanation for it but you don't question it you trust it you know now intuitive feeling 
or clairsentience, that might be if you I mean if you think about a businessman who walks into a negotiation and can immediately sense the sentiment in the room, you know, can can sense uh, whether people are feeling positive or whether uh, there's been an angry exchange. That's clairsentience, being able to intuitively sense the emotional reality around you, within yourself and within others. Uh, an example of clairvoyance, clear seeing, would be that's the ability to see beyond the material form that we're used to seeing. And so, for example, it's the, it could be the ability to see the energy field around people. This is one that I use very much in my work. Everything is energy. Everyone is energy. Everyone has an energy field surrounding them. And in that energy field that surrounds you, it contains structured units of electromagnetic energy, which are a record of everything about you, your memories, your beliefs, you know, your emotional reality, your mental reality, and so on. It's possible to use your extrasensory capacity to be able to see that energy field and read information about people. And the, the aura has been, it's been called uh, the fingerprint of God uh, because it has everything about you. And basically, you see the world through your energy field and the world sees you through your energy field and uh, you filter your reality through that and your experiences through it. So clairvoyance or clear seeing is, is the ability to see that type of information about people amongst other things. And then uh, clairaudience, clear hearing, you know, if you've ever had the experience, for example, where you were dropping off to sleep or just waking up and you hear somebody say your name, but there's nobody there, that could be a very simple example of clairaudience. So it's receiving an intuitive communication in the form of like a sound. And there are many more, actually. There are many more ways of receiving intuitive information, but those are probably the four most, more common ones. I'm glad you raised the example of the 9-11 because I had a colleague, an engineer, a colleague of mine who worked for Boeing, and the night before, the day, the night before 9-11, she dreamt of towers burning and horrible things happening. But she, And so she woke up just, what the... <laughs> What what's happening here? And turned on the TV and the, and saw her dream, saw the whole thing play out on the television. So, so yeah, it, these are things that everyone has access to. I know in business we like to think that um, we use the intellect 100% of the time, but actually we use the intuition about 95% of the time. And I had the when I was writing decision making for dummies, I had the great honor and pleasure of working with the research scientists for the HeartMath Institute on getting the science part of it right. Because a lot of people simply don't believe in their intuition. They don't believe in these skill sets because you can't reach out and, and touch them and poke them. Exactly. I, I, and I think it's true that a lot of people are using them without knowing that they are and without calling them that. But I also think it's true that, I mean, I might disagree that, I mean, maybe I'm going against a scientific study here, but I might disagree that people are using their intuition uh, more than their intellect. I think that the the intellect 
in the people I see and the people that I train, the intellect is the biggest barrier to people accessing their intuition. And because we have most of us been so trained in our in how to use our logical mind and we sort of revere the intellect as the uh, as the highest uh, thing that we can aspire to but the intellect belongs to the brain um and you know it it's a fabulous it's a fabulous tool but it re- because it operates in a more uh, logical fashion, it can actually slow down your intuition if you need to process it through your logic. Absolutely. I mean, and you're, there's no conflict here. There's just a bit of clarity and clarification because the, the information that people pull into their sense-making device, which is their mind, is processed through the subconscious. So, so that's just whack loads of data at high speed coming in and being processed and the intuition uses that information to make decisions that the mind doesn't know about until afterwards. So it, it's, it's really just a matter of both speed and order. Um, it, intuitively, it always happens precognizantly. And then the minute it hits at the cognizant level, that then people think, give it the credit because it's like, oh, I thought of it. So, but it's, I mean, it happened a long time ago, milliseconds before, but it's the heart, you know, and the emotional well-being that really dictates speed and accuracy. So. To make it conscious, though, to make it conscious, you you need to learn how to um, how to um, bypass the intellect consciously. Get it out of the way. Mm, exactly. Totally true. And, and on that note, as a as an environmental microbiologist, that's a scientific thing. And in, in our minds, we tend to go, oh, science is over here, and spirituality is over here, and you know these energetic skills. Well, that's physics. We're not sure what to do with that. How, what was the journey you went on to move from being a scientist who, you know, has a particular way of seeing the world over to this, to what you're doing now? What was the journey? Okay, well, I, I mean, I might start the journey part way through so as not to make it too not to make it too long. But I, I would say, in an in a nutshell, you know, I was born into a culture where the intellect was revered. And I believe all children are born intuitively open. But unfortunately, many of us, it is programmed, we're programmed out of it because at least the education system when I went to school sort of feeds us through this very narrow tunnel of the of the intellect. And so and so I ended up with a PhD. I ended up going to university for eight years and having a PhD uh, and being a scientist and and not focusing on that capacity. And so my way back to it, because I did have many experiences when I was a child before it closed down, but my way back to it was actually through my dreams. Just like the lady that you were talking about, I I was always, and when you're asleep, of course, and you're dreaming, the intellect is disengaged. <laughs> and, and so it's easier for you to access these things. So I kept a dream diary for many years. And through the dream diary, I had experiences just like that lady where I was seeing premonitions of world events or I was experiencing myself in different bodies other than the one that I'm in now at other times in history. Just all sorts of amazing experiences. Even dreaming business meetings ahead of time and then turning up in another city, meeting people for the first time and having already met them in my dreams. And, and so that really opened up a fascination for me to explore this further. It started by attending 
a dream analysis group. And then through the people that I met there, I pursued uh, training in how to consciously access my intuition. And so I did that in parallel to my career now doing business development in the uh, in the pharmaceutical industry. And I, I went, you know, I spent as many years training to open my intuition almost as I did going to university. So I took um, uh, five years of very intense training, all focused around reflecting inwardly on myself healing myself and activating and accessing and opening and using my intuition to assist me in my own life, but also to help other people as well. So, I mean, that happened over, you know, a number of years where I was actually leading a double life. So, by day, I was a business development executive in the pharmaceutical industry. And by night at the weekends, I was an energy healer and uh, intuitive reader and spiritual mentor. And, uh, you know, so it really was like leading a double life. And at that time, I mean, I think things are changing, but at that time, I wasn't comfortable speaking to my uh, business colleagues about that part of who I was <laughs> because I, I imagined that it wouldn't be accepted by them. So it was like I was split in half, uh, you know, and eventually there, there, there came a point that I couldn't sustain that split. And especially as People who are not awake and aware and operating from their intuition, there's a, there's a lot of um, facades, shall we say. So there's what people are presenting on the surface and what's really going on underneath. And so I just reached a point where I felt like I have to live my life as authentically as I possibly could. And that's when I made the, the shift to uh, moving into doing the, the mentoring full time and teaching people how to I teach people how to meditate as well as activate and access their intuition. And in fact, those two things go hand in hand. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I know you're not the only person that's lived a double life. And I, I know that there have been many people that still are living double lives because their own gifts scare them to a degree. I mean, that's always going to be there. It's always going to be there until you confront it and go, I need to be true to myself. And at that point, you step into the full part of who you are. I, I want to go back to uh, what does this do? How does this benefit people in the workplace? And, and personally, of course, but also in the workplace. And I, I, I'm going to just share a story because I recall this was uh, 2010. I was, I was uh, facilitating a professionals in career transition networking community. And we had somebody come I was doing a talk that particular day, though, and we had somebody come who was a senior executive in the forestry industry, was now looking for a new position. And quite, I mean, I wasn't talking about any of this side of it. That was in the, you know, that was me in the closet at that time about about the, the whole other quantum understanding that, that you bring to what you do. And, and uh, he said, you know, he didn't know how to choose the client. I said, well, has there ever been a time when you've been able to sense something I can't remember what question I asked and he said yeah he says when I was a kid I used to be able to go to all the neighborhood stand in front of the door and go there's no point in us going to that house there's nobody home they were canvassing for um trips or something like that it was a fundraising thing and he'd be able to go to every every home and standing from the street and tell who was there and who wasn't 
And his mom didn't believe him, so they had to go and test his, his they surveyed his, his skill set, basically. <laughs> and, and, you know, I thought, well, you know what? When you go into an organization, you're doing exactly the same thing. You are detecting whether or not they're a fit, whether what they're saying to you and the package they're selling you from a recruiting point of view has any, is any even close to being accurate for what life is on life is like on the inside is the same skill set. So that's, that's one that comes to my mind. With the people that you are working with, what are they looking for and how does what you do help them achieve that? Great. So I might answer that in a, in a couple of ways. Because in general, first I'll answer it in general and then I'll answer it from the perspective of some specific clients and how it's helped them. In general, being able to connect with your higher information or your, you know, your inner wisdom through your intuition helps you know who you are and why you're here. What's my purpose? Because so many people are not living their purpose because they're not even in touch with that. And, you know, then secondly, letting go of limits. So many of us are operating from limits. You know, we're, we're programmed to have certain beliefs, whether it's, you know, expectations of our culture, of other people, of our colleagues, judgments of, you know, of, of other people. And so it helps you let go of limits. It helps you see what's me and what's not me, what's my truth and what's not my truth. And, and then that can only be good for everyone, right? That you know who you are and that you live your authentic life, because then you're occupying your unique position in this great symphony of souls on this planet, uh, you know, and you're contributing to create harmony. So that's the, the sort of general answer. And then the specific answer, well, let me, let me sort of anecdotally share a few case studies, for example. So I have one client who he runs his, uh, he runs, um, his own IT company, and he actually came to me um, when he was in the middle of a divorce and he said, you know, oh, you know, my life's not going great and my business is not going great either. And so we did some work with him around his personal stuff, but we also did some work on his business. And it was quite interesting because while he was going through a personal financial battle, obviously to divide the assets from his divorce, the amount of business he was doing, the amount of clients he was doing was in decline. And, and what I taught him about was how actually how to manage his own energy versus the energy of his business. Many entrepreneurs, it's almost like their business is an extension of them. And therefore, their energy is all over their business. And if your energy is all over your business, then whatever is going on in your life is going to bleed through to your business. So he was concerned about finances. He was concerned about, um, you know, his income going down and all of those things. And then his business mirrored what was going on in his life. So we actually learned, taught, I actually taught him some energy management techniques, which helped him pull his energy back from his business and then helped him to work with the energy of his business to keep it independent and to make it a vibrational match for bringing in new business. And he told me that his income after doing that work with me 
within a short space of time actually tripled. So he was then working his business not just from uh, a physical reality standpoint in terms of all of those physical things that I need to do and manage. He was also working on it from an intuitive perspective as well and an energy management perspective. Well, I really appreciate that because one of the things that people do confuse all the time is emotion with intuition and they're not the same. And so if you're compromised emotionally, your intuitive capacity as well as your cognitive capacity are both impaired as as a decision maker. So it's really nice when somebody figures that out because I discovered when I'm talking to some people, entrepreneurs who who are going through difficult times, they don't connect their emotions to their decision making for some reason. They they seem to think they're in different camps, and which is kind of like saying, okay, your body's your heart's not connected to, or your body is not connected to your head. That that your head just you're a floating head. So I appreciate that. You and I have talked about at one time we talked about bias and the role of bias in decision making, and I thought you did some really unusual work with people who you know decision makers who are making decisions where unconscious, you know, any one of the 150 unconscious biases might sneak in and torque things around. Could you talk about that a bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I was, that would have been um, probably the next thing I would have talked about is, is, is decision-making. Your intuition is a very powerful tool in decision-making. And so, so if somebody comes to me and they have decisions to make, this is the way that I work with them. I actually teach them how to become the neutral observer of their emotions. And I actually teach them how to separate their consciousness from their intellect. Okay. So that now they're able to operate above the emotions and above the intellect. That doesn't mean denying that they exist, but it means that now the emotions and intellect, which belong to the physical body actually, are not running the show. And then I teach them how to see from a a neutral perspective, how to read the energy from a neutral perspective between one choice and another. And if if you can cut out the emotional What's the word? If you can cut out the the emotional overwhelm that sometimes we get into when we're making decisions, and if you can cut out that um, circuit of pros and cons and round and round and round and round that the mind can do sometimes, and you just purely look at the energy, then decision making becomes very simple because you can see this choice looks extremely positive, beneficial, bright, and this other choice doesn't. Right. It gives you a completely different lens to view your decision through. So that's that's pretty pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, so, so exactly. And really the key is your clairvoyance, which is the ability to see intuitively, gives you complete neutrality. And most of us are not operating from neutrality at all. Most of us are operating from our emotional reality and from our intellectual reality. Okay. And so we're taking a step apart from that and just looking at the energy. Right. Right. A a tip or a tool you'd be willing to share with the audience that would give them insight into how do you, you know, how to work with themselves? Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I'd like to 
the, the first thing I teach anybody is how to ground. And I'll explain why. And the second thing I teach anybody is a technique called centering. And it's the technique that's called centering, which is the one that really gives you access to um, clairvoyance, which as I was just talking about. But you, you can't do it unless you're grounded. So, so grounding, and I'll just talk you through how to ground, basically. So basically what you do is you find yourself a comfortable chair, put your feet flat on the floor, your hands resting in your lap, straight back and close your eyes. Then take a nice deep breath in and a nice deep breath out. And another nice deep breath in and another nice deep breath out. And then be aware of an energy center that exists near the base of your spine. So there's an energy center near the base of your spine. You want to tune into that and start to create a flow of energy that goes from there all the way to the center of the earth. And because it's energy and because you're working intuitively, this is completely effortless. The energy is just going to flow effortlessly through the chair that you are sitting in, through the floor of the room through the foundations of the building, through the layers of planet Earth, until it reaches the very center of the Earth. And continue to experience being grounded. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, but I'll just invite you to continue to be grounded while I talk, because I'm going to explain why we're doing this. So grounding helps you the high energy consciousness come more fully into your physical body and the physical world, right? It's a way of anchoring your energy in your body. And it also gives you a conduit for releasing energy. So when we, when we start to want to access our intuition, we come, most of us, come into contact with all sorts of blocks that we've put in our way of doing that. So this grounding technique can help you release and let go of those limits. And actually, it can help you let go of physical pain, emotional anxiety, emotional overwhelm, your tendency to over-intellectualize, you name it, you can release it down your grounding. So just to practice, just scan your body right now and find an area where you can sense some physical pain or some stress or some tension. And then just start to release that physical pain or stress or tension down your grounding. So just letting go of distractions, letting go of things that would get in your way of accessing your intuition. The other thing that the grounding does is it helps you to focus because it brings you into focus. And then just be releasing it down your grounding until you notice a shift. And then when you notice a shift, you can just feel free to pat yourself on the knee and open your eyes. And, uh, you know, I invite you to practice that yourselves for longer than we have to do it in, in the podcast. And the other thing that I, I'll offer, Dorna, is I will, I'll give you a link that you can send the listeners to 
to another short meditation where they can learn the second technique of centering. That would be absolutely fantastic. I know in my leadership development training days when we were leading those programs, we used to use centering uh, uh, that was the approach taken by the Aikido masters, by Thomas Crum and the Magic of Conflict. And so we use centering all the time. And it saved my it saved me in, in multiple situations because I tended to end up working in very high-end conflict situations. And, and that, that both these methods that you've shared are incredibly helpful for that. So, uh, And I know that anybody that comes in as a martial artist will have already have an instinct for what that's, you know, what that's about. They used to teach it to the police too, but. There are different ways that people teach grounding and there are different ways that people teach centering. And so the the way that I teach it is to actually place your consciousness in the center of your head, because that is where your intuitive sight is located. It's actually to seat your consciousness in your pineal gland and you start to stimulate and activate your clairvoyance, your spiritual sight. And that also, you know, the ancient teachers would have called that one of the seats of the soul. It's where you, the, the high vibration consciousness is meant to sit within your physical body. And it's where you can sit and be, uh, it's like driving your car. It's like sitting in your air traffic control tower. It, you know, it, it really puts you in charge, puts you in the driver's seat. And, and like I was saying before, above the emotions and apart from the intellect. So you can be in the middle of, a, 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 of an emotional hurricane. But if you know how to center, then you're at peace because you're sitting in the eye of the storm and you have clarity as opposed to vision, which is clouded by the dust storm spinning around you. Great explanation, much clearer. And yes, I'm glad you t- you mentioned that because the methods that are uh, common that most people would would associate with uh, with the martial arts are are more centered in the uh, lower abdomen area. So, completely different zone. And from my and actually, I teach people to compare placing their consciousness in those two places. And there is a big difference if you try that because the abdomen. There's an energy center there, which is the the one that um, is the emotional center. So if you seat your consciousness there, you'll be sitting in your emotional center or you might be. And so um, we're wanting to do the opposite of that. We're wanting to sit above the emotions so that we're not carried on the uh, current of the emotion. I'm looking forward to trying it now. I can hardly wait. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Where else do people go for, I'll put that link in the show notes. So I'm looking forward to that and trying it myself, of course. Where else do people go for more information on you? Well, the the best place to go is my website, which is just drlesliephillips.com. And it's D-R-L-E-S-L-E-Y-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S.com. Or you can email me uh, if you have something specific that you'd like to ask me. And that's just info at drlesliephillips.com. Thanks for being on the program, Wesley. Great conversation. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Donna. My pleasure. You can find a whole lot of information on intuition in Decision Making for Dummies. I put an entire chapter on there, and that's the chapter I referenced when I was talking about Dr. Roland McCready from the HeartMath Institute. My work also involves supporting decision makers and expanding their decision making skills and and their intuitive decision making skills as well. You can find me at frominsighttoaction.com or on LinkedIn. 
If you like this program, I encourage you to share it. Please help promote the program. There's plenty of other interesting topics in this series, uh, and particularly with respect to intuition and energy and all the things we talk about in this podcast, go over to What is Reality? And along with the Leadership Consciousness programs, uh, that's episode one, and I forget the number of the other episode, but you'll hear some very interesting insights into organizational change coming from those two conversations. So thanks for joining me and uh, see you next time. A couple weeks will be the next podcast program.